0: to another edition of no names all game today is december 26th by the time you're listening to this 27th i should just start saying that uh you are one day away from the cotton Bowl. you have made it through the holidays hopefully you're nursing some hangovers you're spending some good time with family and uh it's almost game time my name is chris joined by my co-host pat we're actually both coming to you from the east coast for the first time in a while uh Sitting in our childhood bedrooms, home for the holidays, uh, and we're we're ready to talk Cotton Bowl. We're ready to talk new offensive coordinator. We're ready to talk a lot of shit. Pat, how you doing, man?
1: Doing well. Like you said, I'm sitting in my childhood bedroom. I'm rocking my uh, brand new David Taylor 2018 World Champion shirt that I got for Christmas.
0: Love Feeling you. Shout good. out. Shout out yeah. Magic Man.
1: That's right, baby. Uh, hopefully we're going to see a 2020 Olympic Championship out of him. And, uh, you know, I'm getting
0: ready for this bowl game. Hell yeah. So uh, apologies to anyone who listens to this. We're giving you exactly one day to listen to it, especially with it being an early game, noon game for us East Coasters. If you're on the West Coast, 9 a.m., that's brutal. But uh, hopefully you're not working or you're getting through a Friday work through a holiday week. And this gives you something to, uh, to get through that. So we will get to the Cotton Bowl in a minute. But there is some big news today that we have to get to first. Kirk. Sharaka is your new offensive coordinator and yes i did look up the pronunciation i think i have that right Pat, how do you feel about it man so
1: first of all i'd like to say that i was pretty close
0: you are you are I, I
1: said it was either Sharaka or Sharaka.
0: and i so, think yeah so i'm gonna you know uh, you get the point on that one absolutely
1: um i feel really good about this my I, he was uh, the, outside of joe brady he was in my top two picks uh, i was him or the guy from um oklahoma state yep and you, you sent me some stats on his, his career as an offensive coordinator and uh, quarterback's coach, and I honestly, I like what I see. The thing I like the most is that every single year he coaches, his points per game goes up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we had a lot of people today on Twitter, um, a lot of people going, you know, home run higher, love this guy, this is amazing. And we had a couple people tweeting at us, like, hey, what do you think? And my answer was like, I'm happy it's someone who's called plays before, because that was one thing I said I really wanted. You know, obviously... Let's take a moment moment of silence for all the the Joe Brady worshipers it's not gonna happen um, and then you know what I hope he has an incredible career and you know a seemingly great story but we can we can move on from that story at this point. Um, but one of my things is I wanted somebody who's called plays and this guy's been at least a co-offensive coordinator since 2009. so that's awesome. Uh, but my response otherwise was like honestly I don't know that much about him like I think a lot of people are going off the fact that Minnesota had a really good year and a really good game against us. And people are like, oh, he's amazing, he's amazing, which, like, it's cool. You know, get happy about that, but I wanted to dig in a little bit. So, did some research, uh, looked back at his history. So, 2009 to 2012, he's at Rutgers, quarterbacks coach slash co-offensive coordinator. Um, didn't look up any numbers there because it's Rutgers. Like, kind of hard to hard to put stock into that. that.
1: That was sort of at the tail end of them being good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. <clears throat> Maybe I should have looked up those numbers. Sorry, everyone. That was like... <laughs>
1: So I feel like 2009 was basically right after Ray Rice went to the NFL, mm-hmm. and they there was like some holdover for them still being in an okay program, yeah. And then went downhill, probably while he was there.
0: Okay, good. Like I said, we can throw those numbers out the window. Um, <laughs> from 2013 to 2017, he was Western Michigan's offensive coordinator under PJ Fleck. That's where PJ Fleck kind of blew up as a hot name in coaching. Uh, and then followed him to Minnesota from 2017 to 2019. So like you mentioned um, you know the stats I didn't go through all the stats obviously but just points per game wise when they started at western Michigan in 2013 17 points a game go to the next year 2014 33 points a game like nearly doubled points per game in a year pretty damn good for any any program any situation. then you go to 2015 goes to 36 points per game cool you know hard to improve on 33 but you're still moving up. Go to 2016, half. So 17, 33, 36, 41 and a half. From the time you started, you more than doubled it. Pretty impressive. Yeah. I remember that team, uh, Western Michigan, in 2016. You know, everyone was talking about how they were one of the hottest offenses in the country, scoring 40 something points a game. I was like, who the fuck is this team, Western Michigan? Um, but obviously, it led to some success and got them, uh, you know, the Minnesota job. So they go and they take over Minnesota and. You know, us being in the Big Ten and fans of the Big Ten, we've always kind of viewed Minnesota as just, like, a whatever program. Um, and you can see these last couple of years, P.J. Fleck and, you know, by by proxy, Kirk Shiraka have had a real impact on them. Uh, 2017, they were scoring 22 points a game when they first got there. 2018, jumped up to 29 points a game. Full touchdown. That's a full more. touchdown one season. Wow, look at us. Same page. Hey, <laughs> hey, look at us. Uh, full touchdown in <laughs> one Who season. Who thought? Not me. <laughs> And then this year, twenty nineteen, they they're just under, uh, just over thirty four points a game. So, same thing from you know in a two year span to go up twenty two to thirty four, it shows it shows improvement. It shows taking teams that are not historically known for being electric offenses and moving them in the right direction, um,
1: and doing that against Big Ten defenses in Minnesota, averaging twenty two, twenty nine, thirty four against Big Ten defenses. Yeah, and that, I mean this is a team that plays Iowa every year. That plays Wisconsin every year.
0: It, that's, that's a pretty really good impressive. point. That's a really good point. I didn't even think about and, that. And
1: with Minnesota recruiting, you right, know, right? That's but the he's,
0: point.
1: He's not even there for it's PJ Flex third season there, so he doesn't even have a full program of all PJ Flex guys. Yeah, and he's made that improvement and put up those points in a, a premier conference.
0: Yeah, and I think that's I think that's a, a great telltale sign too. In that first year jump, so like Western Michigan first year, 17 to 33. Minnesota first year, 22 to 29. Like that first year, you're taking over an entire room of guys that like don't really know you, don't know if they're bought in, don't know if they trust you. So to take them for that one year and show them like, hey guys, we are going to do something here. That second year getting that instant result, pretty damn cool. Um, so yeah, and this—I
1: mean, this is going to be the most talented team he's ever coached.
0: Exactly, exactly, and I think that's part of it. Like he is—he's a Pennsylvania guy. He's from Lewisberry, I think. Um, you know, Franklin. Franklin mentioned that he wanted somebody who has had success and has had experience pl- calling plays. Which love that he acknowledged that, um, but said someone who said he wanted someone who is kind of familiar with their system. He said so it's a tough balance because you want someone who like can come in and, and bring their thing that they do. But also understand, like, Penn State's returning a lot of talented players, and this is not a developmental thing. Like, this is, you need to come in and execute. So it, it'll be a balance of, like, him bringing in the things that he was able to do so well, you know, against us and against other Big Ten teams. But also looking at our strengths and realizing what we have on this roster with Clifford, with the four running backs, with Fryermuth coming back. Like, you got to come in and execute right away.
1: And the thing that I'm excited for him to hopefully bring to this offense right away is offensive consistency, because yeah. I mean that's that's what they showed against us. You know, they put yeah. up 31 points against us, and they even when they like kind of took their foot off the brake a little bit, off the gas a little bit. You know, they were still getting first downs. They were still right. prolonging drives or making it hard for us to come back.
0: So yeah, they were they were carving us up. Um, there was a there was a tweet earlier from. I think it's at psu underscore underscore strong psu everything um put out uh their their offensive stats for this year um so their quarterback this year 66 percent completion pretty good uh just under three thousand yards 28 touchdowns six interceptions not bad like not not earth shattering but not bad by any means um running backs running back one uh 1100 yards eight touchdowns running back two four hundred and sixty yards six touchdowns running back three four hundred yards two touchdowns so i like that it shows you know he's got three different guys that are all eating a little bit there's a clear lead back um i forget his name it'll come back to me in a minute um but then a couple other guys in that rotation that he'll have to work with with our you know seemingly four-headed and potentially six-headed monster with these two running backs coming in um but i think the one thing that really stands out and that everyone loved is how he used his receivers i mean he had he had rashad bateman and tyler johnson both over a thousand yards uh wide receiver one 74 receptions 100 i'm sorry 1114 yards 11 touchdowns wide receiver two 57 receptions 1170 yards and 11 touchdowns so you got two thousand yard guys both with 11 touchdowns
1: yeah and two big time receivers is is something we haven't seen since the godwin Deshaun hamilton era
0: yeah yeah um <clears throat> so i think I, I think it's a lot to be excited about like which admittedly wasn't really, that
1: long ago but
0: still no but it feels, it feels like, like it. a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> when, ev- when every year you have the expectations of like wait now when now every year seems like another like 10 years has gone by um but I'm excited about him, man. he's got experience, he has shown consistent improvement, he's shown to be able to do it against good defenses like you mentioned, something that a lot of people on Twitter are talking about today is uh, it'll be good that he can give Brent Pry feedback on how he dissected that defense and how he was able to do it so effectively, which is kind of like tongue-in-cheek. I think some people are just like just saying that to poke fun at Brent Pry and get their grievances out, but at the same time, like, yeah, it's true.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's always good to have an outside perspective.
0: Yeah. Um, and then I think that the last big thing going around Twitter today is, will this have any effect on Justin Shorter, who is currently in the transfer portal? Will he see the success that Shiraka has had with wide receivers and say, okay, I'm coming back?
1: Maybe, but probably not.
0: That's my my, my assessment is I'm hopeful. I think that would be really cool. And, and to see him blossom into the five-star that we know he can be, I don't think but it's I'm happening. But I'm not counting on it. There's, there's reports uh, on 24/7 today that he's in Gainesville right now taking non-official at University of Florida um, he's if you look at his Twitter like his likes he's liked a couple of Florida things if you look at his follows he's followed a bunch of different people from different programs like I'm just kind of shocked it hasn't happened already like if he's trying to I imagine he's trying to enroll like this semester um, I'm sure he'll have to sit out at some point if he doesn't get a waiver so I I, I don't know like I I'm super hopeful that, that happens, but I I don't see it. Yeah, I doubt it. Um, but you know, right. you
1: got to hope that he, you know. Hopefully, he at least meets with him. Yeah, so I, I have to imagine Penn State's still recruiting him, right?
0: I would think. You know, we were having this uh, we were having this conversation earlier um, in my group chat with the guys that were on our uh, our roundtable discussion. Tony, Brandon, Alex. Um, do you think Do you think our coaches, like Franklin and the position coaches? actively recruit guys that are in the transfer portal like our guys that are in there to keep them or do you think it's more like they have that first conversation once it's about to happen and then like hey do your process and it is what it is
1: I have to imagine it's probably not as aggressive as like when they're recruiting someone out of high school but I have to imagine that they there's a decent amount of contact
0: yeah, I think it's I think it's probably a mix because I mean Franklin's been very clear. He's like, if you're looking, we're looking. If you're in the portal, you're no longer on the roster. Like your locker is taken down, all that kind of shit. Like he's very clear about he'll support you. He'll you know he'll he'll do whatever you know whatever you think is best for you. But he's made it clear like once you're in that, you know you, you're welcome to come back, but it's it's not a guarantee. So I don't know, man. I think it's probably different per per guy. Like maybe there's more with Lamont Wade than there was with like. You know, one of the lower three star guys who was gonna be a backup. Um, yeah, I mean
1: I'm I'm sure there's certain guys who when they go in the portal because they're not getting playing time and say it's like, listen, we're gonna help you find a good yeah. spot to land. Yeah but when there's a guy who that they want to bring back to be productive, I would guess that they still somewhat actively recruit him back.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think I think in this situation particularly there's probably at least that one follow up conversation of like, hey, Justin, we know you're looking. We know you're taking your time and your visits, but wanted to let you know this is the guy we've hired. This is what his plan for the offense is. If you think this is still a fit for you, we'd love to have you back. Yeah, so, and
1: I, I would be I would be a little surprised if Coach Soraka doesn't uh, doesn't reach out to Justin Shorter himself if he's allowed to.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. They they said I'm not uh, sure what uh, the Justin rules Soraka are there. Is actually, but... yeah, they said he's actually in Dallas right now um, at the bowl game with them. Um, which is cool obviously he won't like call any plays or anything yeah but he just, um, just
1: gets to be with the team that's
0: cool yeah yeah they were talking to Clifford he said he had just met him talked to him like today so pretty cool that that's like already happening a um, couple Twitter questions on uh, the offensive coordinator on Kirk Sharaka. it's just a fun name to say Chiraca I'm gonna say it a lot there's gonna be a definitely gonna be some fun like memes on that I heard someone talking about uh rock the casbah but with Sharak the casbah not I bad like- not bad uh, so this seems like a, it sounds like
1: a normal name to me,
0: Sharaka. Well, yeah, because that's because your name is Policchio. You guys come from the same family. It's just, it's, I don't know, it rolls off yeah, the yeah. tongue. Sharaka just a name. Sharaka. I don't know. We're cool. Anyway, uh, Twitter questions from, uh, first one's from William Nittany, who is actually the founder of the Nittany Lions. No, that's not true, but it would be cool if it was. Uh, William Nittany says, do you think the new OC, whose name is Sharaka, will bring a high-end QB recruit in 2021? Um, so let's talk QVs for a minute. So we have, what, five on the roster? Um, yeah. So we didn't take any in this class. Did, um, I, I'm i a recruiting expert, and I'm terrible. The question is, will we bring in a high end? Because we haven't had a real, like, five-star recruit in a, a long time. Uh, Justin Fields would have been that guy. Obviously, we know Wasn't how that story went. Hackenberg a five-star? Yeah, but that's, what, 2012? 2013? Yeah. Like, that's you know six years ago it's a while in in the world of again in where every year matters it's two quarterbacks ago though true but it feels like forever because traces traces era was so long and clifford's is beginning to be so long and we had the tommy and trace and we had the tommy and cliff like it seems like so much has gone on um but yes hack was a five-star quarterback um didn't quite pan out so let me say that we haven't had a and I love Hack. Shout out if you're listening. Probably he did great things for our
1: program in terms of keeping him yeah, alive will... in, a, in a very hard era, but he didn't have a five-star career, if we'll put it that way.
0: Exactly, exactly. So the question is, do you think <clears throat> that having an offensive coordinator who has shown he can do good things with an offense will bring in a high-end recruit?
1: My um, guess at some point he will bring in a high-end quarterback recruit. Uh, I would be surprised if it's right away just because Clifford's young – there's a lot of quarterbacks in in the room right now. And anyone who's a five-star quarterback recruit, I think, probably looks to come in and start at latest as a sophomore. Yeah. So, and, you know, it might take a little bit, but I think he will eventually. You know, he's not only is he a, a good offensive coordinator with a solid history, but he's a, he's a quarterback's coach.
0: Yeah. Yeah, which is another huge thing we talked about in What Do You Need Out of an Offensive Coordinator Hire. We said it was maybe not necessarily needed to be a QB. They could have shuffled positions around, like if Joe Brady came in. But the fact that he is, I think, is a really good thing, too.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, Um, you you saw how good Tanner Morgan looked under him this season. Yeah. Tremendous. And, again,
0: Tanner Morgan, from what we've seen, has been a guy who's, like, good, not great. Like, he has talent, sure can be a good quarterback, but we never, like, oh, watch out for Tanner Morgan. And then he lit us up. So, yeah, uh, so recruiting-wise, we do have a quarterback in this class. My apologies goes out to Micah Bowens from Las Vegas, Nevada. Three-star, <clears throat> dual-threat quarterback. I uh, forgot about him. He was one of our earlier commits, so my bad. Um, but, yeah, you'll have you'll have Cliff. You'll have Levis. You'll have the two four-stars that came in last year, uh, Michael Johnson Jr., Taquan Roberson, and now Micah Bowens. So that's five scholarship quarterbacks, with, which Franklin has always said is what he wants at any given time on a roster. Um I don't know. I don't exactly know the reasoning for that, but he's always said like five scholarship quarterbacks is what he wants.
1: Um I'm sure you want like three active quarterbacks on your roster. You want your starter, yeah, your backup, and then in case someone goes down, you have a backup, backup.
0: Yeah, exactly. So if we look to 2021, uh, the the top guy is Caleb Williams. He's a five star dual threat out of Gonzaga High School in Washington D.C., um, which we've had we've had a couple of recruits out of Gonzaga recently. Um, and he's one that we're very high, on, very very high. On. Um, right now, his crystal ball, and this is so far in advance, everything can and will change. Right now, his crystal ball is sixty two percent for Georgia, twenty five percent for LSU, and then twelve percent undecided. Um, we are listed on the warm, warm. We're warm, today. baby. Yeah, so it's Georgia, LSU, Oregon, and us that show warm. I don't know, man. It's so we literally are just wrapping up twenty twenty. I would love Caleb Williams. I have no idea. Um, but I think you're right as in the future, it'll happen at some point. Uh, William Nittany also says, do you see us playing out more of the two tight ends set next year since that is a strength and so is running back would only make sense because we could run on defenses like crazy and our tight end crew would be mismatches. Yeah. What do you think?
1: Bowers is graduating, right? He is gone. Okay. And then we've got, um, who's our other tight end?
0: Pat Fryermuth is number one.
1: I know. I know
0: that. I just have to give you some shit. Pat Fryermuth is number one. You've got Zach Koontz Koontz. behind him. And then Theo Uh, Johnson. Brenton Strange, too, who uh, came in this year as a freshman and played a little bit as well. And then Theo Johnson, who was a top tight end of the country, will be in as a true freshman. So, yes, you have four guys that could play and should play, honestly. Yeah,
1: I Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of two tight end, uh, especially... We'll get to this later, but the uncertainty of the wide receiver core next season. There's going to be a lot of youth, uh, a lot of guys without a ton of, you know, a ton of success at the college level.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be interesting, uh, and this this is going to segue into our next question very well, um, but I think it'll be interesting because Frymuth is obviously a stud and should be very, very involved. I think Koontz and Strange are both guys that, like, We've seen have athletic ability. We seen we saw them play like snaps in some of the early games where they were playing with that you know four game red shirt rule, um, and then Theo Johnson comes in, looking like he could make an immediate impact. So it's like, does Theo jump those two guys? Like, do one of those two guys, you know, make the jump into the second backup tier? It'll be like it'll be interesting to see how that second and third tight end spot shake out to see if it's you know doesn't make sense to have these two tight end ones, but interestingly enough, our next question from Chris lyons twenty six says should we be worried that the gophers tight ends have combined for five catches this year no i wouldn't worry
1: about it um you've seen the success this guy has with receivers my guess is he just has had a lot more talent at wide receiver at minnesota i mean tight ends not an unbelievably deep position it's Mm -hmm. difficult to come across these really talented tight end targets not every team has them and so yep. I think for a lot of teams they end up just being blockers who catch a couple of passes. Yep. And I, I'm I'm guessing with a guy who's had the success that Kurt Shiraka has, he's going to come in, see this tight end talent, and be like, yeah, we're getting these guys the ball. And there's there's just no also no shot that James Franklin is going to be like nice by some wild like I like chance that Kurt Shiraka's like, yeah, you know, I just don't like getting the ball to tight ends. There's, James Franklin would probably be like, okay, well, you're going to do it anyway.
0: Yeah. Like, could you imagine that conversation? You know, I really don't like the tight ends. I know you got that guy, uh, Freer Muth. What's his name? Yeah, probably not going to work out for me. And Franklin's like, you know what? You're my man. Yeah. <laughs> that does not happen. So uh, Chris, valid question, Chris. But no, I'm not worried at all. Um, I did count seven catches, semantics, five or seven. But uh I think like you said he I mean you had the trio of wide receivers the two uh, Bateman and Johnson both over a thousand yards and then Chris Autumn Bell who was a great third receiver so they ran a ton of three wide receiver sets and they had the thousand yard rusher um, again I'm blanking on his name for some reason there's only so many touches that go around I mean how many times this year did I complain about Frymuth not getting enough touches and then we looked at it and it's like oh well KJ had Thirteen catches and Journey had you know twenty something runs or whatever it was. It's like sometimes that just doesn't happen. So I looked at their I looked at their roster too. The two tight ends, both of them were like three star guys that came in the last year or two. Um, it, it's just a different it's a different animal. So um, I'm not worried about it. I think it'll be fine. Uh, and I'm kind of excited, man. Like he, he's shown that he can adapt to what he has. He's shown that he can make progress with what he's given. So I I'm excited to see like one what he does instantly that's new and different but also that like what he does that utilizes our talent that we didn't see with Ricky Ronnie like if I'm James Franklin I'm like hey Kirk go sit down with Tyler Bowen and you guys like have a beer and figure out what we're gonna do for these tight ends cause like it's gonna happen yeah agreed Um, alright anything else on uh, on our boy Kirk, Kirk Chiraca anything else for him hey,
1: Well, welcome to the team baby
0: Yeah, man, absolutely. Welcome home. Welcome back to Pennsylvania. We're very excited for you. Um, And yeah, it's funny. I was watching a a video of, uh, they were talking to PJ Fleck and they were asking him, like, how's it feel? And he's like, yeah, you know, we knew it was coming. He's been with us for a long time, been with seven years, you know, love him, you know, appreciate him, all this stuff. Uh, And he's like, uh, we knew we wanted to get back to Pennsylvania, so you wish him luck, but... Goes in the same conference, you know. You don't love that. You're gonna be playing against them, and like you could see it, like hurt him a little bit. So that makes me kind of happy. Yeah.
1: yeah. Fuck you, PJ. Fuck you and your, sorry, PJ. You and your boat.
0: <laughs> Roll the damn boat. Apparently. Um, all right, let's move on. Um, bowl game preview. We are going to the Cotton Bowl. I do want to first say uh, correction. Last time we talked about this, I mentioned that the Cotton Bowl is a very nice stadium and it's great. It's not played in the Cotton Bowl. Played played in AT&T Stadium. Why? That is so dumb to me. Like, I get it. AT&T Stadium is beautiful. It's brand new. It can hold more people, I'm sure. It's a better experience for the players. But why even have the Cotton Bowl Stadium if you're not going to play the Cotton Bowl in it?
1: Is the Cotton Bowl Stadium still standing? I think so. I'm not sure.
0: I went there. I went there. I went there. We played in the Tax Slayer Bowl in 2012 or 13, and I was there. And it was in the Cotton Bowl Stadium. Maybe they've knocked it down since then. I don't know. This is me just venting. Someone corrected me on that on Twitter after our last episode, so I wanted to make sure got that on the record. Um, but yeah, we don't have, we don't have like a plethora of stats for this one. We'll do kind of a general overview. But what's your what's your thoughts going into this game, man?
1: Uh, honestly, this this is a game that kind of reminds me of how we felt coming into the Minnesota game, where we go. Uh, this is a team that's had a lot of success, but not against a lot of talent. So we're not sure how good they are. We think they're good. We think they're not as good as us, but we really don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's and I think we probably said the I think I said the same thing on the last episode when we did like a quick preview. For me, it feels a lot like the bowl game last year against Kentucky, where it's it's their Super Bowl. It's one of the biggest games they've played in a long time. We end the season on kind of a a down note, you know, a little bit less than what we wanted. And it's it almost feels like it's like all right if you beat Memphis it's cool you beat Memphis whatever if you lose to Memphis it's like wow lost to Memphis that's uh it's not great man um, so if we look at them they are twelve and one on the year which is damn good they won the American Athletic Conference uh, their only loss was to Temple they lost thirty to twenty eight and they beat Cincinnati
1: twice who's a good team.
0: Yeah, so their quality wins, the ones I counted, they beat SMU, who was ranked for quite a while. Uh, and they beat But just got twice. smoked
1: in their bowl game.
0: They did, so maybe they were frauds, too. But beating Cincinnati twice, and didn't they beat them back-to-back, too? Yeah, Wasn't it? back-to-back uh, It was like their last, yeah, it was their last game of the season, and then the championship yep. game. So, like, that's impressive. I mean, it's hard It's hard to beat any team twice in right. a season at any point. Let alone twice uh, in a row. Back-to-back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're scoring 40 points per game, which is eighth in the nation. Uh, again, this is this is that conversation that you were talking about. Is like, are they a really good offense, or are they just playing trash, and they're scoring 40 points because they're playing no one? Um, I don't know. Uh, they're allowing 24, half points per game, which is 48th in the country. Uh, and I think the big storyline here is that they'll be missing a couple of key people on their team. First and foremost, their head coach, Mike Norville, uh, went on to be the head coach at Florida State. Their defensive coordinator, Adam Fuller, followed him to Florida State, so he will not be there either. And their starting tight end, Joey Magnifico, which is just an A-plus name, uh, will not be uh, playing as well. I
1: believe they're Uh, also missing their starting left tackle.
0: Yes, that was it. I knew there was a fourth one, and I couldn't find it on Twitter. That is the starting left tackle. So no head coach, no defensive coordinator, no tight end, no left tackle. That's, if we don't, like, win this game by a lot, I'm going to be really upset. man. Yeah. Really upset. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I want to, like, dissect this, and I want to go into, like, what's their stats against these teams, and what's their passing, and what's their rushing. Like, from what I see, they look to be a pretty balanced team. Pretty balanced rush, rushing and, and passing. Um, yes, they've scored a lot of points, but, like, I say it all the time, and it comes back to bite us. It doesn't, it doesn't scare me a ton, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just, with how much they're going to be missing, head coach, defensive coordinator, tight end, and left tackle, I think our offensive line should have a field day. I mean, our defensive line should have a field day against them. Uh, Look look for some, especially out of Yeter, you know, last game he's ever going to play in the uniform. Look for him to come out fired up. And, you know, the more he's eaten, the more everyone else on that line gets to eat because then they're going to have to double, double team him and then that's going to free up Shaka Toney and Jason Owe and Robert Windsor in the middle, and yep. like it could, you know, could it could uh, could go well for us there. And then, you know, our, our secondary has had some struggles at times this season. Having a like a serious target in their tight end out is a huge help. Uh, yeah. Even though the, you know that's usually usually end up getting covered by linebackers if you're a tight end, but still. Or safeties, but I mean, still that's a gigantic help. And I mean, they're letting up twenty-four points a game in the American Conference. I think we should certainly be able to top that. With
0: oh, absolutely.
1: I don't think we might have Noah Kane out for the game still, but I don't think we're going to be missing anybody. And then we're they're scoring forty points a game. I don't think they're going to touch that against us. No one scored that no. many points a game points against us this year. And I don't think yeah. I don't think it's going to be Memphis.
0: If Ohio State's not putting up forty on us, Memphis is not putting up forty yeah. on us. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting when you see that much out, like the head coach and the D coordinator. That's a lot, man. Like if your head coach leaves, I feel like your offensive coordinator, and your defensive coordinator, can kind of rally together and be like, "All right, guys, we got this." But then what of them, dude, this off- to- this offensive coordinator is like sitting there, like, "All right, guys, we're gonna do our best." <laughs> like, yeah, is he gonna be the head coach? Their offensive coordinator? I would imagine. I I would imagine. And then um, who's calling plays? I have no idea. I mean, I guess he's probably going to pull double duty. Um, I think the linebackers coach is going to be the defensive coordinator. It's like, th- that's just a lot to figure out in a short period of time. Like I know coaches always be the defensive for
1: this. coordinator out of a already not like great defense.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, I think coaches always prepare for this, right? You always know like, all right, if this guy's out, who would be the emergency right. backup? Like for us, we have Tyler Bowen calling plays for this game, uh, which we'll get to in, in a minute. Um, but yeah, I think it's a lot to overcome, and I just, I don't know, it is their, it, excuse me, it is their Super Bowl, like this is their, you know, f- um it was the biggest bowl game they've been in, I don't know how long, but a while from what I remember or I've read. Um, I don't know, I just, I don't see, I don't see them playing against us like they played against everyone else, which is what we said when we played Minnesota which is what we say when we play Michigan States in the last few years. But, like, I just don't see it. I think I think this team, too, like, um, there are videos today of uh, players, like, carrying some of the seniors off, off the practice field, which I know they do at, like, the end of the year. Like, Shaka Tony was carrying Yitor. Like, we've talked about how close this team is. I, I don't know. I don't see them coming in flat to this one. I just don't.
1: I agree. And it's not like, you know, they, they, it's not like this is a letdown bowl for Penn State either. I know everyone oh, yeah. wanted to go to the Rose Bowl, but this is still a New Year's Six Bowl. This is the Cotton Bowl. It's a big deal, yeah. you know. It's a ten and two team. It's not like bit. it's not like we ended up with two extra losses that we shouldn't have had, and we're playing in the you know the Who's Your Mother Bowl. <laughs> like this is a big deal. I think they're going to come out fired up, and there's a number of guys whose their last game, as, you know, as a Nittany Lion. Yeah, I don't. I don't see them coming out flat here either.
0: Yeah, so let's get in, let's get into the actual predictions a little bit. Current spread is Penn State is a seven point favorite. Uh, the over under is sixty, which is quite a lot. But you got a couple of offenses you like to put up points. It's got to get up there. Points, 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 points. Uh, Pat, what's your key to victory, man? I think
1: honestly the key to victory is just everyone does their job. Like a new, like new England Patriots man, do your
0: job. I was gonna say that's very patriot way of you.
1: I mean, I think it's obvious we're the more talented team. Uh, we went. Ten and two in a much harder conference. Uh, we've got one of the best defenses in the country. We've got an offense that, when it's on, is incredible. We've been tested more than they have. They're missing significant parts of their team. Just everyone goes out and plays like the way they're supposed to. I don't see us losing to this team.
0: Yeah, mine is mine is very similar, and I hate that it is. But my, mine was like have the true one and oh mentality like come into this week like it's any other game go in play like it's for something this is the end of your season which i know those are kind of counterproductive thoughts like to treat it like any other game but show up like it's a big game but i I feel like it's 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 one of those where we've seen in some bowl games historically where we showed up a little flat like we weren't ready to play and we got beat um and, and I think and I think they will be like I mentioned this team is so so close. there's a lot of guys that are they're core guys that are, are leaving this year um, and you know no more cam Brown, no more YT, no more John Reed. like I think this defense is gonna come out firing um, and I think tactically I, I think it is get to the quarterback like I want to see I want to see these wild dogs eat one more time. I want to see like five plus sacks in this game, which I know maybe is a little aggressive I don't care man. You're missing your left tackle you play in the american whatever conference like just put this kid on his ass over and over and over again make them make them realize who they're playing like uh, it's it seems like overly simplistic but i feel like it kind of is
1: yeah i mean i totally agree and for a lot of these seniors and guys leaving i know this isn't like back in the day where you know the scouting was limited you know scouts look at every game now pretty equally pretty yeah. but you've seen guys have big bowl games and then that helps their draft stock
0: yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You have a big bowl game, parlay that into one of your big, like Reese's Senior Bowls or East West Australian Bowl. Then you go to the combine. Like, those are the last couple of things that people have seen that can move you from a mid third round to an early second round. Like, that's huge. It's millions yeah. and millions and millions of dollars. So, yeah, I, again, it's, it's, it, these are kind of simple key to victories. Like, I don't want this to sound like we're phoning it in, but it, it just kind of feels like that. Like, show up, get pumped. Treat this like as importantly as you treated every other game. Because if you truly believe in that one zero, every game this year you treat it as your Super Bowl. Do that. Do that this week. Go in there, kick some ass. Uh, don't be surprised if. What should we not be surprised if, Pat?
1: Don't be surprised if Penn State runs away with this one. No way.
0: I'm saying I like
1: it. <laughs> they're like we've talked. I you know I I really don't know jack shit about Memphis, unfortunately. I know. Um, Same. But just with all they're missing, and what I think is already a talent gap to begin with, and then they're not coming in full. And as far as I know, I don't think we're going to be missing anybody.
0: No, Unless, except for Ricky fully healthy. Yeah, which again is we we've wished him our luck. I don't think we're missing a ton. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not not <laughs> a ton of
1: people are upset about it.
0: No, and it sounds mean, but I, I mean it in a good way, I think. I'm I am friend. nervous
1: to just see have, have someone else be calling plays.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll, let's let's pivot to mine, and then we'll get back to who with my missing. Don't be surprised if, for me, don't be surprised if you see some, like, a little bit crazy play calling. This is Tyler Bowen calling the plays. He knows this is his, like, only shot, because obviously we have a coordinator coming in. I mean, you think back to, what was it, the Fiesta Bowl, where Moorhead left and Ricky Ronnie was calling the plays, but then slid into the O.C., Position, this is Tyler Bowens like free pass like I think he's going to take it very seriously because i I know he wants to be a coordinator at some point so he'll have this on his resume but it also wouldn't surprise me if we get like an early lead to see him throw something fun out there throw a different look do something we've never seen before like why not why not it's your only chance
1: yeah especially against a maybe who's missing their defensive coordinator
0: yeah and maybe that's me just thinking of like what would i do in this situation one game fuck it it's his career and i'm sure he's taking it much more seriously than i would uh, but don't be surprised if you see something cool if you see like a reverse that you've never seen before you see a flea flicker that you've never seen before like i feel like he's the kind of guy because he's younger too bowen i feel like he's someone who relates to the kids a whole lot like i feel like he could be someone who like is taking this very seriously but also like at the end of practice be like all right guys like we get our moment. We're running this one. This yeah. one play. And we're gonna pull it off, and it's gonna be amazing. So, don't be surprised if that happens. Uh, don't be surprised if I get like six of these. Uh, that's not true. There's only three. Don't be surprised if Jordan Stout gets a chance to punt. You saw the video. Yeah. Okay. Punting up into the jumbotron at Jerry World. Um, we I understand this. that we this is a...
1: Blake's last game. I don't see him taking any punts away from him.
0: I, I mean, I think he. I think he plays the entire game, but come to the fourth quarter, like, why, I don't know, why risk it? Like,
1: Risk he's what? He's a punter. With...
0: Yeah, what <laughs> happened in, what was it, Buffalo, where we broke the kid's leg?
1: Yeah, but come on.
0: I don't know, I don't know. All I'm saying is, we have a If anything, it's a bigger risk in.
1: trotting Jordan Stout out there, because he's going to come back to the team the next season.
0: Yeah, you're poking a lot of holes in my theory right <laughs> now. I don't know, I saw that video, and I was like, I kind of want to see this live. Because when, when Stout transferred in, we heard he can kick and he can punt. So we talked what happens about that a little if bit. you
1: hit the Jumbotron with a punt?
0: I have no idea. What's the ruling um, there? It's either live ball and wherever it lands you play it. Um, no, because if they call it a dead ball, where would they spot it? Just wherever it hit?
1: So that seems like a bad idea to hit the Jumbotron.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I would just like to see that leg in action as a punter because next year, Blake Gilligan is gone. Um, and yeah, it's his last game, so maybe you don't want to take anything away from him um we have a freshman that'll be coming in that's a highly rated punter and then i think we have a couple of walk-ons but hell if stout can do it i think it would be damn cool to see it in action before we get to next year that's just me um and don't be surprised if there's a kick return for the touchdown just putting it out there one last time i didn't get many this year uh or any this any. year i know i was just trying to fool myself into that a little bit um yeah i predicted five or more and we got zero yeah
1: well we had two that were called back right
0: yeah. Did we did we get any at all? Any punt or kick returns for touchdowns? None, none. Well, fuck. Speaking of those, uh, Joe Lorig, our special teams coordinator, was with Memphis for a long time. So maybe he can give us some insight. Mm, we'll fin- like we'll finally get one. Finally get one. Um, all right, those are actually the only ones that I have. Uh, prediction. What do you got, man? You said we think you're going to run away with it. What do you got here?
1: I'm taking the old Colicchio Classic. Of course you are. Penn State in the under, baby.
0: Yep, I'm saying what you got. 35 to 14. 35 to 14.
1: Either that or 35-17. I'm having a hard time deciding. But I'm going with 14. 35-14.
0: Okay. That puts the total at 49. So you're, you're well under. You're giving yourself that. Um, if you have listened to the show at all, even once, you know what I'm going to be picking here. The taking hard the line. hard line. I'm taking <laughs> Penn State. I'm taking the over. Uh, Penn State's going to win this 44-20. to 20. It's... We're gonna be just over the sixties. A lot of points it is, especially in a bowl game. But I think, I don't know. I think I think Clifford comes back fully healthy, kind of like ready to ready to finish the year off with his like signature moment, right? Like, you know, he got hurt. Levis came in. The Levis question started circling. New offensive coordinator. Like this is the end of his first year. I think he's gonna to want to go big. Um, KJ. Obviously, we don't know what's happening there. We'll talk about that in a minute. I think he'll have a big game. Pat Fryermouth snubbed on so many things this year. Um I just I see this offense turning up. I think forty-four points is in the realistic realm of possibility. And I think 20 is probably even spotting them a little too much, but I needed the over. So forty-four yeah, that's to 20, right, you did. There it is. You read it just is. so you can get the over. I know. I really was. I, I at first I was like, oh, 44-17, and then I did quick math as Need a couple more points. Uh, we're aware of, not 44, 17. I think I had 40, 17, something like that. Um, all right, there we have it. 35 to, which one did you go with? 14? 14. All right, 35, 14. I'm going 44, 20. Uh, and there you had it, folks. So it's an early game. Um, the playoff games are on the same day, right? One of them?
1: No. Is Isn't it all of them on New Year's Day?
0: Why did I think? Uh...
1: I mean, one might be on New Year's Eve. The other one's on New Year's Day. I don't think there's any. It's For some
0: reason, I thought.
1: No, you're right. Clemson, Ohio State, and LSU, Oklahoma, are on the same day. My bad.
0: Oh, so wait, both of the semifinal games?
1: Yeah.
0: Wow, look at that. So yeah, it's a full game. It's a full day of football, which actually probably helps the ratings <clears> on this Penn State Cotton Bowl. Not that it would be, like, not a highly watched game anyway, but. Yeah, this whole 12 right o'clock the... bullshit, though. Ugh. <laughs> Aren't you have me on the East Coast. Uh, or a.m. if You're still back in Cali. I know. Um, all right. So hopefully everyone enjoys Cotton Bowl. Hopefully we have a great, 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 great
1: win. Great, 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 great.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's finish up with some quick hitters. Uh, and when we got some more Twitter questions. Uh, first one. Our boy Micah Parsons is officially a consensus All-American.
1: Yeah, I mean, this kid is, you know, debatably the best linebacker in the country this year. He's he's, he's incredible, top man. two he, uh, at worst. Is really yeah, what it comes down yeah. to. Yeah. And so he, if uh, I did is all American. It would have been ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I did some research because we talked about this, talked about this in the very beginning. Here, this was one of my predictions. Actually, we'll go, we'll go back to our year long predictions maybe on our next episode. Um, one of my predictions is that we were gonna have at least one consensus All-American. Boom, there he is. Um, so I so I looked it up. Uh, there's two different things that you can be. You can be a unanimous All-American or a consensus All-American. Uh, and the way it works is there's five outlets that the NCAA recognizes to determine who are actually All-Americans. Because nowadays, literally every publication puts out their fit, right? The Athletic has one, ESPN has one, Bleacher Report has one, everyone has an All-America team. So there's five that the NCAA actually recognizes. It's uh, Walter Camp, uh, Associated Press, Sporting News, American Football Coaches Association, and Football Writers of America Association. So on those five, he was a second team on Walter Camp, first team on AP, second team on Sporting News, First team on the AFCA and second team on FWAA. So two first teams, three second teams. I don't know who's been the, on the works, second team. There's like there there's there's four guys that they, like all of these. Tim, the like,
1: guy from add. Clemson. Who
0: else? Isaiah Simmons, the guy from Clemson. Um, uh, dude from, is it Oklahoma? Um, hang on, hang on. I'm looking. I'm looking. Oh no, Wisconsin. Zach Bond. Um, and ca- Cal Evan Weaver, um, those are those are the guys that I saw a lot of um, being like mixed in, whether they were first or second team. Um,
1: it let me tell you, if Micah Parsons played in the nineties or even the early two thousands, he would be like a top three pick. Yeah, it's just it's just not as much of a line, It's just not as much of a linebackers game in the NFL these days.
0: not like, a guy like he played Sands, in that era, man. Whew. Yeah, I mean, Devin Bush went like 10 last year, I think. Isaiah Simmons has talked about top six, top seven this year. Like He'll be up there. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's these guys. It, it's Zach Bond from Wisconsin, Evan Weaver from Cal, Isaiah Simmons, Micah, and then a couple others that got mixed in. So if you look at those five things, to be a unanimous All-American, you need to be first team on all five of them. So obviously he was not unanimous, which is super, super cool, but whatever. Uh, to be consensus All-American you need to be first team on three of those which Micah was actually first team on only two but i guess there's some sort of caveat that if there's not and there's not people enough people that have three like the the next highest gets it you know what i'm saying so by that caveat he is officially a consensus all-american which is so fucking cool um He'll now be officially on the wall uh, in Penn State's facility where all the All-Americans are. Uh, The last couple, I think, were Saquon and Carl Nassib before him. Um, And, and, I mean, we, we, we say this so much, but he's a true sophomore who has been playing the linebacker position for two years. That's just so impressive, man. So, Micah, congrats on everything. I cannot wait to see what you do next year. Yeah,
1: be ready for him to be a unanimous next season.
0: Yeah, I mean, if he if he just if he even continues just on this same path that he is, I think it's easy. And with his work ethic and with with his freak athletic ability, he's absolutely going to take another big jump. It's a humble beast, show. you know. Humble beast, baby. I, you know, should we get those tattoos just to match him? Humble beast. <laughs> uh, just us two schlubs walking exactly. around. Get on my ass beasts. cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> nice nice anyway moving on uh talking about talking about big life decisions humble beast tattoos or whether or not to declare for the nfl um so the story is reportedly that kj has made up his mind and will announce after the cotton Bowl.
1: yeah he's gone
0: yeah yeah <laughs> when you when you say that like
1: nobody nobody waits gone. to announce that they're staying
0: no it just doesn't happen man um yeah, because at first, there like is a little say, part of it. That's like, dude, mind. maybe he is, though. Maybe he's just like, how <laughs> cool would it be if I, we win the game? And are am like, oh, I'm staying. And then
1: we all go create the <laughs> locker room. That, that part of that, there's something like that that lives inside of me that I know isn't very oh, yeah. but it just keeps creeping up.
0: Oh, that's lived in me for, for a long time. Um, yeah, because it was in the same interview, I think, not at the same interview, but the same day of interviews earlier in the day. He was like, no, I haven't made my mind up yet. Like, it's been so much more stressful, so much harder than I thought. And like, we've talked about this. It's, it's a huge like decision like of course i want him back but i get it i get how difficult it is which actually no i don't so i'm not in those shoes but i can i can imagine how difficult it would be um and then later in that day other reporters had the clip of him saying like yeah i made up my mind i'll announce it after the cotton bowl um so you have to think that means he's leaving um like no one says that and comes back it just doesn't happen like did you see the whole chase young thing where they were interviewing him and he's like uh they're they asking him about the NFL and he's like, uh yeah, I'm not thinking about that right now. Um focused on the game and the plan is to come back to Ohio State next year. Why would you say that? There's 0.0.0.0% chance that you are coming back to Ohio State next year. Yeah, it's
1: got me worried already, though.
0: Anyway, I think KJ's. I think it's one of those saying things saying
1: where he, like... he was just trying to be he was trying to do like the non-statement kind of thing. Yes. And that just came out of his mouth.
0: Yeah, he took it one too far. Yeah. Like,
1: it's like, I don't want like right to. Be like, I'm just on thinking I'm only thinking about game. the bowl game. Yeah, the bowl game, and like you know, only Take doing it. this, and like he was probably trying to say it's like right far. now, like only focused on being at Ohio State.
0: Yeah, and that and just like said, plans now. coming back. Yeah, that's fair. I'd be parking fucking fan? Shocked. Yes, I love Parks and Rec. Okay, reminded me of Jean-Ralphio's raps, when he always takes it one too far. <laughs> K to the end to the O-P-E, you're the finest audi in all the Pawnee, Indiana. Indiana. I, know. Yeah, I know, I know. I know, I know. <laughs> that, that's what that reminded me of. Uh, that's a stretch of a joke or a reference, but that's what I was thinking and I had to say it. Uh, but we're not here to talk about Jason, we're here to talk about our guys, KJ. I am th-
1: I'm,
0: I'm, I'm making peace... I'm making mental peace with him being gone now so that it doesn't hurt as bad when it happens in a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, next thing, though, Franklin said, because um, this is actually I think he was talking about on signing day, maybe, because they were asked about the size of the class and how many people they have and all this. Uh, and he said, that, you know, you're always trying to predict who's going to leave and all this. And he goes, we have a couple of guys with NFL decisions left. Do you think there's actually anyone else that's making, like, a real decision right now? Um, Or is that just him kind of posturing and saying what he has to say?
1: I mean, there's always going to be guys who leave when they really shouldn't. So you never know. But to be honest, KJ and Yitur are the only guys that really should be leaving early.
0: Yeah, if we pivot quick to a Twitter question from uh, our friend CJ Goon, he said, unless I am mistaken, these are the only guys who are slash could come back with senior eligibility. That'll actually be playing. Lamont Wade, Tariq Castro-Fields, Shaka Tony, Will Fries, Mike Mennett. Fries and Mennett have both announced that they're coming back already. Mm-hmm. And We've done our guesses on who's actually going or leaving, but after Franklin said that, it made me think, do you think Lamont, Tariq, or Shaka are actually considering it right now?
1: I mean, I'm sure it has to be on their mind, just because um, I think Lamont and Shaka would both get drafted. It was not yeah. high. Um, I don't think Tariq Castro Fields would get drafted if he left right now. To be honest with you,
0: I agree. Um, if anything, I think he'd be a late round because, like he he's shown he's shown that how good he can be at times. He's shown the athleticism, um, but he's had some he's had some bad games this year. Uh, from our viewpoint, at least, I I think I think Shaka could actually go like mid rounds. Like, yeah, I think I think it surprised. There's us a when chance
1: Sarice... that he could.
0: I think it surprised us last year when Sharice Miller went what fourth round. I think it just shows edge rushers are a premium, and if you are an athletic edge rusher, teams are gonna yeah. are gonna go and for
1: it. Le- Lamont Wade had a big year. This had a great season. And yeah. There's definitely a definitely on his draft stock. Um, but like, here's the thing: is like l- logically, when you look at it, unless you're going in the first two rounds, you shouldn't leave early. Yeah, like just like this, that's how the stats work out. Yep, and I think it would be kind of a long shot for. Either of them, it'd um, yeah, be like a bit absolutely. of a long shot for Shaka and a very long shot for Lamont Wade, just because safeties aren't like unless you're one of the best safeties in the country. I don't think anyone's really taking the first two rounds, yeah. and he's not a name that gets thrown. He, he, I think he's a guy who could prove that he's one of the best safeties in the country next season. But he's just not a name that's getting thrown around a lot. And but you just you never know when guys are going to leave. Sometimes yeah. they just do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I think I'd be shocked if anyone else besides KJ declared. Uh, I think Franklin said that because there probably are guys that he's having those conversations with. Like, yeah, and realistically, he, and he doesn't want to say they so.
1: do leave. That really undermines yeah. them if his statement is like, "Yeah, we've got one guy who we're waiting on." Right,
0: right, right. Yeah, yeah like, I don't think he definitely. And actually the conversation that, about but, that right. kid
1: becomes like his coach didn't even think he was ready to leave.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah, we'll see in a couple of days. Um, And selfishly, I hope those guys don't leave because, like, St. Wade, Tariq, and Chaka will all be huge pieces of this defense next time. And honestly,
1: selflessly, it just, like, the stats work out that if you're not getting drafted in the first two rounds, you shouldn't leave early. So I don't want them to.
0: (laughs) Well, the good news is we will learn all of this in a day and a half. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, quick hitters, Miles Sanders. Uh, we have said on this podcast for a long time that he's quietly having a good year. He's not no as quiet, quiet. anymore. Yeah. It's no longer quiet. The last, like, three weeks, he's been on an absolute tear. Um, Miles Sanders
1: he's, won he's... my fantasy league for me this, this year.
0: Good for you, man. Congrats. I lost terribly in all of my leagues. So let's not talk about that. Let's talk about Miles Sanders. Here's the season with one um, loss, baby. So many, people were, uh, so many people were upset that he did the slide down at the end of the game. Yeah, he <laughs> almost t- fucking fucked me.
1: I, I, can't, I can't tell you. I won my final game by three points.
0: Like, yeah. at the end I mean, of the I think game. He, I mean, I think he had an easy touchdown, but that's yeah. the smart play, babe. That's the smart play, that Penn State education saying, hey, I'm going to give myself up right now. We can knee no, it. No, what is
1: you open. do is you run down, and then you run down the end zone to the side.
0: <laughs> nah, you always risk a problem. And then, and then, you, then you
1: get in the end zone and give me a solid 10 extra fantasy points.
0: Good for him. I'm very happy for him. Um, But let's talk realistically about Rookie of the Year. We had, uh, it was about a week ago, um, one of our, uh, one of uh, the people that that we interact with, Blue White Sports tweeted, uh, I think my tweet was about like guys doing well in the NFL, he said, Miles is going to win Rookie of the Year. And this is December 18th, so uh, nine days ago or so at this point. I said, I'd love to see that, but it looks like he's a long shot right now. If you've got faith, get a bet in. He's at 33 to 1. Incredible value. Well, he had another good game, and now he is at 12 to 1. So, in the span of seven days, he jumped from 33 to 1 to 12 to 1, which is huge. Like, that is me. Ma- I wish I could have got a bet in at 33 to 1. Put 10 bucks on that, win $330. I'm yeah. happy with that.
1: What's going to hurt him is that he didn't start the year off super hot, and especially when it comes to touchdowns. Uh, his rushing yards aren't huge. His, for him, it's been a balance of rushing and receiving yards. That's what's Which I is okay. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but, but, I think that... but when it just sounds kind of less flashy when it's getting voted on.
0: True. But I, he, I doesn't think he doesn't have 1,000 like yards starts... rushing, I don't think. No, but he's not that terribly far off. I think he has like seven, 800. Um, because these last couple games, he's had monster games. Yeah. Um, so if you look at the, the top favorites right now, this is on FanDuel Sportsbook josh jacobs running back from oakland is number one at minus 160 um, which is not like an overwhelming favorite sometimes when you see these guys run away with it you'll see them at like minus a thousand uh so it's josh jacobs minus 160 kyler murray at plus 160. aj brown receiver on the titans at plus 700. miles sanders at plus 1200. Um, and then terry mclaurin's at plus 1200 too i think i think what works in miles's favor is he is on an incredible run to end the season with the Eagles seemingly going into the playoffs because of his really good run? Um, whereas Josh Jacobs, Kyler Murray, AJ Brown, I don't know, they're all on teams that aren't like as exciting or haven't done as much, which I know doesn't matter for the vote. Josh Jacobs has like, like
1: 400 more rushing yards and four more touchdowns, though. Like, I think it's just yeah, gonna be they, hard for my like, I think Miles has
0: been what about rushing and receiving, though?
1: I know those, I don't Jacobs know, numbers, to be honest. Okay, um, okay. I, I. Okay. Wouldn't be surprised if Miles has, if Miles eclipses him in yards, total yards because of that. Um, one sixty six, two five ten. Okay, yeah. So when you do total yards, Miles has more of them. He's got about four hundred more receiving yards, and then they become only one touchdown apart when you combine the two. So yeah, you know, That's you never impressive. know.
0: Yeah,
1: you never know. And the fact that he's what? he's ended hot could help him out. I'd, be, I'd I, still I mean, be, I think, you know, if they gave it to him, I'd be like, well-deserved. Yeah. And, but I just won't be surprised if he doesn't get it.
0: Yeah, and like you said, it, it's, it's you know, it, it came on a little late. He was splitting carries with Jordan Howard for a while early on. Um, you know, they didn't use him quite as much early on. But over the last, I would say, like, five to six weeks, it's been kind of the Miles Sanders show, with the last two or three being incredible. Yeah. Um, Really, what I'm saying with all of this is, if you live in New Jersey or Pennsylvania and want to put a bet in on FanDuel Sportsbook, twelve to one, still very good odds. Get those bets in. Yeah. Um, NFL a lot of a lot of good things happen in the NFL, uh, and it would be cool to see back to back rookie of the years with Saquon and Miles. That would be. A be. Um, speaking of NFL, uh, Saquon had a great game this finally. past week. Finally, finally, God, them. I garbage that. offensive line. Oh, they're so bad, but it was fun. It was really fun to see him back to form. Um, I know Godwin's hurt. Hopefully he's okay. Um, he carried, he carried me all
1: season in fantasy,
0: Chris Godwin. Same. Same. It's been a good year for Penn Staters in the NFL, which is another great, great thing for recruiting and for getting guys in. Um, Especially on of the off-
1: offensive side of the ball. I think for a oh, long yeah. time we've had solid uh, NFL careers on the defensive side of the ball, which unfortunately are just more quiet Like yeah. when they're solid defensive players. But now you're seeing very productive offensive players, and that makes noise. And recruits notice that more.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, Godwin, I think, is second in the league in receiving yards behind Michael Thomas, I think. and
1: touchdowns, Um, I think.
0: Yeah, like, he's had an incredible year. Saquon, while slightly down, is always going to be a great story to tell. he's going to most likely end up
1: getting 1,000 yards rushing.
0: Yeah, dude, seeing Miles have a good rookie year is so Like, I know we have an incredible pipeline of running backs right now, so it's not like an area of need to prove it, so to say. Like, why do you think we have an area of, of running backs right now? Right, you saw Saquon crush it and then get drafted number two. You saw Miles come in, crush it his one year at Penn State, and say, "Hey, I'm going to the draft," and got drafted in the second round. Like, you see this trajectory of guys. Like, it's it's really really helpful, and it, it is um, very
1: difficult to for guys who are aren't like top ten picks to come in and make serious impact on offense in their rookie season. And he did yes. this being spending most of the season in like a platoon backfield. And then the yep. moment he wasn't like absolutely in a platoon, he exploded.
0: Yeah. And I think, I, I think they said uh, Jordan Howard should be back this week, but Doug Peterson said that they're going to ride the hot hand. Miles is still running back one right now, um, which is awesome to see. Like you, you love that. So shout out to Miles Sanders, whether or not you win rookie of the year, I love you. Very, very happy for you. Uh, speaking of recruiting, uh, the first national signing day is complete. Uh, There are two national signing days now. There's the one in December and the final one in February. I don't know the exact percentage, but I would say a good majority of kids sign on this first one. Um, Your classes get pretty locked in. So we signed 27 kids, which is far and away the biggest class under James Franklin. We had 11 four-stars, 16 three-stars, and right now, per 24-7 composite, we are the 13th class in the country. That's solid. Not bad. Um, I think it's, it's, it's one of those where we'll do a bit of a deep dive on this, maybe maybe one of the off-season episodes just to like really dig into it. It's one of those where it's, it's definitely a quote-unquote down year because we've had some really, really good years, but you're still in the top 15, top 10-ish. I'm happy with that. That's a good good recruiting class. Yes, you always want to be top five to have that sustained powerhouse of success, but I get it, um, and the I fact that we finished
1: 13th in a season where we had some significant decommits is promising. Yep.
0: Yeah, I'm, and I'm, I'm very optimistic about a lot of these guys. Um, we won't go through it now, just because, like I said, there's so much to talk about. But there's, there's five wide receivers in this class, like three of them that I could see playing very early. Um, there's a couple of really big defensive guys in this class that I could see making an impact pretty early. So. I'm excited about it. Um, if you follow recruiting, if you're big into it, you, you've probably seen all the coverage, maybe watched it live. They do a really cool event every year where um, they call it like their signing day draft where they, they announce every kid, say, with the first pick in the 2020 Penn State National Signing Day Draft, the Nittany Lions select, and they read off the name.
1: So they go um, out with that next time.
0: Word? No, it's, it's whoever faxes their uh, oh. letter of intent in. Okay. Yeah, so whoever faxes it in, first pick uh and then they Franklin and the coaches FaceTime with the kid and the family and they it's it's awesome I, I i won't lie there were either some onions getting cut up in the room there was some dust i don't know what was happening when i was watching this but uh they put out a really cool recap video it's like 7 minutes long um but if you got a chance it's on it's on like Penn State's uh social media i'll i'll retweet it at some point um but it's really cool to see like what all goes into it like you see Franklin and the coaches getting in there at like 5 a.m. getting everything set up and like just the moments that these kids have with their families, like so excited. You see moms and dads crying, like people just so happy to be a part of this, like family. It's it's really cool. So very excited for this recruiting class. I don't think we're gonna get any more surprises with twenty seven guys coming in. Um, the scholarship scholarship limit is at eighty five. Uh, you look at our you look at our class. Uh, if no one else leaves besides KJ, I think we're at like ninety five. So. Uh, I haven't done like the official official count, but I think you you bank on some guys leaving that maybe you didn't think about. You're now banking on the transfer portal. I know some of these scholarships can be like backdated, so I don't know how that all works out. Um, but it'll be interesting to see kind of how we how we manage this going forward. Um, but speaking of scholarships and feel good stories, did you see the Nick Yuri clip? Of course. Oh man, I love the I love this maybe more than anything else in sports. Uh, when a coach surprises a kid with a scholarship uh, i think they're the, like the super creative ones are probably a bit cooler this one was done at like i think they're like awards banquet so it wasn't like it wasn't a crazy surprise but it still had me choked up man it was it was so awesome
1: yeah i mean you love to see a guy like that a grinder who's just you know comes in every day and works hard get a scholarship he deserved yeah
0: and what I love too, is like, you saw some of the guys like in the NFL tweeting about it. Like Miles, miles, about yeah. Yuri Saquon, I think retweeted it. Like you can see how much of this guy is meant to not only the team, but definitely the running back room and that sort of brotherhood. Um, and I actually add, I asked on Twitter cause I, I think Yuri's a senior and I was like, you know, honest question, like not trying to be a jerk, like financially, how does this work? Like, is this more of a symbolic thing? Like he's about to graduate in a couple of months or like, is this actually like a financial gift kind of thing? And, uh, I think it was Nicole... I think Nicole Wood tweeted us uh, that it gets backdated to the fall and then covers the spring. So his final senior year doesn't have to pay for it, which is awesome. Um, I think that's it for quick hitters. Anything else you got before we finish up with our last Twitter questions here? Nope. All right. Um, so we covered CJ Goons um, about uh, those guys coming back with senior eligibility. Wade, Fields, Tony, Fries, Manit. We talked about that, like who might actually leave, but his... His statement, not really question, was, wow, that is a small number of seniors. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll have to dig into that. I don't actually know what the breakdown is, but I can't think of a ton of like actual seniors next year. I think, yeah, maybe he's probably... Yeah, we'll take your word for it. Um, Nick Rocky said, don't forget my question from last week. Sorry, Nick, so I did do some scrolling back. Um, I, don't, I don't know which one you're talking... Last week, there was a question... Where he retweeted Daryl Clark. Daryl Clark retweeted something that I think Jay Paterno retweeted or something like that. But Daryl Clark said, "Miss it, maybe coming back to State College." And Nick Rocky said, uh, "QB coach?" Question mark.
1: I mean, maybe he's just coming back to visit. Who knows?
0: <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Uh, but, I, I think I mean, we have our. That would be it, a cool hire. I mean, it'd be cool. Like two things. One, I think we have our QB coach in. Kirk Scirocco at this point, so I don't think that's necessarily, like, if you hired an OC that wasn't a QB expert, maybe you need someone to come in, Yeah. so I think we're covered and I think too, this is like, this is one of those things that all of us as fans do if there's like a beloved player who like, wants to be a part of the team like, you know how many times, like, when we needed like a wide receivers coach, people were like, Bobby Ingram he should come back, like, you just pick a player that you used to love, like, people are like Matt McGloin should be a coach, this guy should be a coach it's like, and we've been saying LeVar no
1: Harrington idea. for a long time, yeah
0: Everyone has said LaVar Arrington should come back and be a defensive coach. Like it just it gets thrown out there. I think it's the nostalgia, the love. I have no idea what Daryl Clark's coaching experience is. If he's a viable quarterbacks coach and wants to be a part of the staff, it'd be awesome. I don't know what his status is. Was he
1: on that team that went to the Orange Bowl?
0: Um, wasn't Orange? I mean, Orange Orange Bowl was like Michael Robinson, wasn't it? Wasn't there one after that though? But Michael Robinson team—they that, did time. go to the Orange
1: Bowl. Killed I remember that state,
0: one. right yep yep and I thought there was one um Daryl Clark was in the the I think it was the Citrus Bowl when we played lSU and that like super muddy one down there i think you're right remember that yeah I, that, I think that's what Jay Paterno tweeted it was like shout throwback back okay. 10 years ago and it was a picture of Daryl Clark so Daryl Clark said miss it maybe coming back to state college and then Nick Love said uh QB coach so Nick's connected some dots we get it we like it uh, listen, Nick, if if he does become the QB coach in the next even three years, I will make sure to give you a shout out for that. Uh, but then Nick also had one back on December 5th that I think I missed, so apologies. Um, I'm going to read it now, but I think this is one that we will save for next episode because I want to actually do some like research and put some thought into this one. Um, but he said, what was your favorite play slash tackle of this year? Mine was that tackle by Brandon Smith when Rasheed Walker fell to his knees on the sideline in awe. That was crazy.
1: I'll have um, to do some research as well, but that's an early front runner.
0: Oh, it's definitely. Was it CJ Thorpe on the sideline that fell? Yeah, well, he was, like, so it animated was CJ Thorpe. Yeah. I Here nor there. That, again, that's semantics. I'm not trying to be nitpicky. Uh, it was an incredible play. But yeah, I think what we'll do uh, for anyone that's still listening, I know we're running probably a little long right now. I think after the bowl game, we'll do like a quick bowl game recap, but then we'll do some like end of season stuff like, like this. Like, what was your favorite play of the year? What was your favorite? reception what was your favorite run what was your favorite whatever we'll, we'll put together like maybe some top moments of the year i know a lot of people are doing like top plays of the decade right now i don't know that seems a little excessive but we'll we'll put some uh we'll put some together for next episode uh and we will uh finish up with crew kegel kegels bagels um he has ca- uh, another question that'll probably fall into that category uh, but he says I haven't been able to catch the last couple episodes glad i could join in for this one you Thanks, missed you uh, two quick things. One, PSU slash NFL player comparisons. Do we mean like guys that are going into the NFL right now, or just in general current Penn State players comparisons? No, no. That's also something that we can do
1: next episode.
0: Yeah, something we take that for next episode. Let's okay. take like some of the true. You, big you clarify. Starters. We do
1: some research, and we'll we'll do that one yeah. next episode.
0: If it's guys going into the NFL, like you have Yitor, you have. Maybe KJ that would, KJ gets comped to uh, Hollywood Brown and the Ravens all the time just because they're short and fast. Um, we'll think about that though. We'll we'll do some like uh, current <clears throat> Penn State uh, starters for next year and who they might comp to. That's a good that's a good topic for next one. Um, but one completely unrelated that we'll end on. Kegel says, "What do you think the North has to do to catch up to the South in winning Natties? South has won 13 of the last 14. Sounds very like Game of Thrones." North needs to couch up to the south. Um, yeah, thirteen OS, less, last fourteen. Um, I don't know, man. It's like Bama. Bama's won like five of them. Clemson's won two. Florida's won two. LSU's won one. Florida State's won one. I looked them up earlier. I don't have the list anymore. But it's a it's. It's the SEC, man. Like it's not really the 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 South. Like I think Texas might have won in that time period. It's, it's Bama and, like, a couple of the SEC teams.
1: Yeah, and I think the, you see the SEC dominance waning a little bit. So the North yeah. will most likely catch up. Um, and I honestly, the other thing that would probably help is if the SEC had to play nine conference games.
0: That is a very true That's statement. probably a
1: huge uh, difference. Because the SEC is yeah. never yeah. going to get shut out of the playoff because they don't play nine conference games. Right, Even if they have exactly. their worst season, like they get that break in the middle of the year.
0: Yeah, it's well. It's always ridiculous when it's like, what is it, like the second or third last week of yeah. the year. Penn like, like State's playing,
1: playing Ohio State, State and Alabama's, Alabama's playing Oxford.
0: It. It's unbelievable. Uh, that pisses me off. I think more than anything. If you're gonna play one more cupcake, do it at the beginning of the season, yeah. not at the end when you're working through injuries, when you're working through fatigue, when you're working. Through and somehow it never gets held against them. Like not never. only does it happen, but never. like when, like
1: say, like Ohio State will never jump Alabama because they beat Penn State after Alabama just beat you know Sisters of the the Blind from. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait, you, you're you're telling me you don't put any stock into it when they play Northern, Southern, Eastern, Indiana Tech it's of exactly. Community College? Yeah, come and on, like,
1: like things, things every season if Ohio State was ranked two. Alabama was ranked one, and then Ohio State beats us, Michigan or Michigan State, and Alabama beats yeah, fucking who's your, who's your mom Tech? Yep. We Ohio State wouldn't jump Alabama, but if it was the yeah. if it was the other way around, like oh, absolutely. And and I would say even less than that. Let's say Ohio State is one, Alabama's two, and then one week Ohio State beats Illinois, the same week that Alabama beats LSU every time Alabama would jump in. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's tough, too, because, like, again, Bama's been so dominant. So out of those 13, Bama's won five of them. So that accounts for a whole lot. Clemson, who has now become a powerhouse, has won two of them. They play in the ACC. Guess what? They're going to be in the playoff pretty much every year until something dramatic changes. So, like, I think I – think, I don't know, man. Like, I – the north-south this thing was, always. If Clemson bugs me. was
1: going to miss the playoff, it would have been this year by them having one loss.
0: They yeah, um, the the north-south thing always bugs me. Like, yes, there's more talent in the south in general. Um, I think recruiting tides are starting to shift, where you're seeing more kids that are going elsewhere. Um, we have two four-star running backs from Florida coming up this year. We have, you know, um, Noah Kane, who came from Texas slash Louisiana slash Florida, went to a couple different high schools. We we've had more kids come from the Florida, Texas, California's than we have. Yeah. I mean,
1: those are probably the three best football states, Florida, Texas, California.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we've had more of that over the last couple of years, but it's just like more of that for us means like two or three guys where like the Southern schools, 80% of their roster is those guys. So it's, it's just a kind of a, a built in advantage, if you will. Um, But I don't know, man, it's, it's, to me, it's not necessarily the, the South, like it's the SEC, it's it's the South. It's like it's a handful of those top schools. Like if Oklahoma wins it this year, that's the South. Like if LSU wins it, that's the South. Like it. I don't know. It seems like just more of the country is covered by South when you talk about football. Um,
1: yeah, cause I mean, I don't think about like the southern part of the country is like Texas, Oklahoma.
0: It's all the football. Schools. When you get like
1: really north. South Dakota North Dakota Idaho like there's not a lot happening
0: nothing's gonna happen there like if you if you really want to talk about northern schools who can win a national title it's Ohio Ohio State, obviously um, right now they're probably probably the only one yeah um,
1: any given year I think um, like teams that could happen Ohio State us Wisconsin you could put Michigan I, behind. Oregon Honestly, maybe? I don't think they're at that level if Oregon, Oregon put
0: something together again, Washington had a couple of years where they flirted with But they a... were never,
1: I don't think, national no. champion contenders. Like seriously,
0: no, because I mean, yeah, it's like if you draw a line directly across, like there's just not enough school. Like, I, you know what? I would love to, I would love to look at that. Like, how many Division One schools or how many Power Five schools? What's the split when you pick your northern and southern states? Because I guarantee you southern states it's probably like well, I mean the entire SEC is in the
1: south the entire mm-hmm. ACC outside of Boston College is in the south yep um the in, basically the entire big 12 is too
0: yeah three conferences we're, right we're now. rambling but in, in to answer your question Kegels, I think it's just an inherent It'll thing. Happen. like I don't I don't think it's and I don't think it's necessarily like a line that needs to be drawn like it, it is know yeah, South conference whatever. It's more conferences for me. Like it, it's I more agree. of seeing the conference, the conference breakdown, and it's more of hey, when is the Big Ten going to start really competing against the SEC? Will the Pac-12 ever become relevant? Like those are the questions I think are better to look at. But yeah, it's very likely that the South will win another one this year unless Ohio State's able to power through. So
1: I think Ohio State's winning it.
0: Do you? Yeah. yeah. Let's end on that. What's your What's your guess? Ohio State beating who? LSU. Yeah. Yeah, I do think Ohio State and LSU. I don't the think Clemson's
1: playing to um, anyone all season.
0: Yeah, and Oklahoma. Oklahoma's good. I think LSU handles them though. Yeah, um, that, that's gonna
1: be a high I, score I, game, man. <laughs> oh my, oh god. my god! Are they gonna, the gonna be over?
0: Like, over's probably gonna be like sixty-eight. And I'll probably still take. They're it. both at least forty,
1: um, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it'll be a good end to the year. Hopefully, we crush crush Memphis in the Cotton Bowl. Get to watch some great semifinal matchups, and then. Have a great uh, national championship to to finish it out. So that's all we got for this episode. Thank you guys for listening as always. uh, I know the the bowl preview was kind of lackadaisical, but it's Memphis. Hopefully we go in there and just crush them. Um, But thanks for listening. We appreciate you guys, Pat. Anything uh, to finish off on here?
1: Merry Christmas, guys. Beat Memphis.
0: Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Beat Memphis. Memphis, 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 Memphis.
1: We are.